0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Tacona Morning Drive podcast. This episode I am joined by Ian Callum who is an automotive car designer. He's a man who I've looked up to since I was very small so this was a very proud moment for me to have him on the podcast. Anybody knows anything about my past will know that the Tacona name comes from the imaginary car company I created as a kid because I wanted to be a car designer to sit down with a man who has lived that life was a real honour for me and a real moment of pride to be able to sit and hold a conversation with him without acting like an absolute child going, oh my god, you get to draw cars, oh my god, you get to draw cars. So this was a really nice episode to record and Ian is a absolutely lovely guy. So on with the podcast.
0: I well, won't be professional then
1: that's fine I'm not professional either I literally bumble around just chatting to people and that's the whole idea behind it mm-hmm. um, so I that's alright I have clicked record now this is there's no intro there's nothing <coughs> like that
0: you um, edit it yeah no oh, be brilliant. It. Yeah.
1: it's just a chat um, but I'm just giving you a forewarning in case you say something that you don't want anyone to know about this is being recorded and if you do say something like that tell me and I'll have to do some editing um, but no, the whole, the whole premise behind this is that it is a casual conversation and the idea is to effectively demonstrate what conversation looks like um, because what Tacoma stands for is getting people to talk and to get people to just chat to one another to help make a difference. So sure. the idea is to kind of go, look how easy it is to talk and here's an interesting, hopefully, conversation to demonstrate that. Um, so that's it basically. That's fine. That's all you can expect from me is to me to go, let's have a chat. Um,
0: Put my phone back on then.
1: Yeah, if that, if that goes off, it's you can, it, uh, I can always pause. Um, <coughs> out the two of us, you are much busier. Um, I literally was sat in my office this morning sorting out orders and not doing much else, whereas I've had to find an hour in your week <laughs> to, to pop over. Um, so for reference, I am joined today by Ian Callum so thank you very much. You're welcome. And there's only one question that I have in any sort of structure, and that is, who are you and what do you do?
0: Oh, who am I? I ask that question myself every day, who am I? Um, especially later on in life, you really start to question who you are and what you've done and where you might be going. But as C.S. Lewis said, um, you're never too old to start a new adventure, so that's what I'm doing there, I suppose. New adventure so who am I? Like, I'm... I'm I am a car designer of 40 years professionally, yeah. uh, that means working for someone else or other clients. Um, before that I went to various colleges, before that I was determined to be a car designer. I went through a fairly academic um, uh, time at school, I went to an academy, it was, uh, it was all about the three R's as we call them. Um, frustratingly so for me because I was more interested in engineering and design than French and English. Right. But uh, but anyway, I got through all that. It was a means to an end, and eventually I went off into industrial design at Glasgow and
1: studied. I'm just going to turn slightly so that it's not as both facing the same way. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> so, um, and then I went to the Royal College in London uh, to study automotive design. So Amazing. And then Ford. I went to Ford Company for 11 years, um, where I learnt a lot, it was a little frustrating at times, because the hierarchy in those days was quite, quite established, if you are younger you got small stuff to do, and if you were older you got the big stuff to do. And then uh, I went to TWR in Oxford for 10 years, and then after that I joined Jaguar. Twenty-three years ago now, wow! And I uh, retired three years ago. And by retired, you mean you started <clears throat> working for yourself? Really? Well, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I knew you know, I couldn't go off and you know take up gardening or anything. That wasn't going to be for me. So, um, so you did what most people do in their retirement
1: <clears throat> and started an entire company. That uh, yeah.
0: I, uh, I set up with a few friends of mine who are fellow directors, it's not just me, there's four of us all together, yeah. but David Fairbairn and I, and I, I, David worked for me at when I was at Jaguar, you know, we always had this idea that we'd perhaps one day start a business together, which eventually I waited until I retired before I could do it, because I felt a need to do the job, that finish the job that I was doing at, at Jaguar, and that's what I wanted to do first. So at the age of 65, we started this business. Fortunately, David's much younger than me, so he's got a bit more energy.
1: <laughs> well, that uh, gives you the freedom <coughs> to do things like sit next to me with a sketch pad and chat yeah. about cars and drawing yeah. and all sorts of things. I mean,
0: part of the premise for me was that I would spend more time designing and less time running or worrying about the business, yeah. which has sort of ended up the way it is, but, um, you know, you still have, you still, we've still got a number of people to look after, and we still have... You know, people to pay and and uh, and make sure we have the work coming in. So that's.
1: It's probably quite difficult not to try and get involved when it's your name, on the.
0: No, I try and forget about that fact. Um, it's a convenient <laughs> name, but uh, no, it's a convenient name because people probably know it. But it's very much a joint a joint venture. with yeah. Four directors. Um, we've got an engineering boss. Uh, Dave is a kind of working MD. I'm the designer, and we've got a financial man. That's a so, pretty good good uh, balance,
1: good split between yeah. everyone. Really. Yeah. And I imagine it allows people to kind of use their own strengths in the best best way, yeah. doesn't it? Mm. Um,
0: you know, and we do, and it had to be that way because I don't want to. I mean, I'd looked after when I was a Jagger at any one point. I'd be looking after maybe three, four hundred people. It's quite a lot, that. It's you do feel that. You feel the you feel the, the the pressure of it. Not so much. Towards your team, but making sure that the teams are doing the right things, you know, collectively, yeah. um, rather than sort of spreading out and people doing different things, you know. And, and a design team is quite an interesting group of people to to look after. They can be a herd of cats sometimes, so you you really try and make sure they're focused and. Well, it's a difficult piece of with direction. creatives, though, yeah. isn't it? it's challenging it's challenging to say the least but you know I'm as guilty of that as anybody else
1: or by nature to be kind of creative you're not necessarily walking the the lines that are dictated to you and you're not uh, following set paths and fitting in boxes really are you?
0: No but what people don't realise is that you know people and I hate this, um, this term that journalists use you know so and so penned the car it's almost like you did a sketch of it and threw it over the wall and a bunch of very clever people made it happen. It's just nothing like that. Yeah, um, you come up with the ideas, you manipulate ideas, and hopefully, as a director, my 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 job was to try and direct to the ideas I wanted. I felt was correct for the brand, and uh, and then you work with it for three, four, five years until it comes to reality. And the designers or the, the design people involved, they're involved right through the production. Yeah. And, you know, it be anything at any one time, anything up to maybe three, four hundred people involved in that, not just in the design, but everywhere else. So the policing of the project and turning it into reality is the biggest part. And I think if you look at successful d- designers um, in history, it probably wasn't because they were the most creative or, in fact, creative designers can be just a real pain, to be honest with you, but, you know, you've got to get people who can be creative within the boundaries of which you are, are can work. Yeah. And, and that's quite demanding, and um, and then you have to try and hold on to that creativity right through the process. And as a car is being developed, it probably has to go through hundreds of different uh, processes and gateways and opinions and uh, you know and and attributes. Uh, you know, any car has anything up to about two hundred absolute attributes that they have to meet, yeah, according to management. And you have to feed this car through all these... It's amazing any
1: cars ever get made.
0: Well, I often think that when I get to the end of it, I think, how did we manage that? Because (laughs) when I think that, you know, if I wrote a book about any one of them, you could write a whole book about how a car comes together and what's involved. (sighs) A lot of people would disagree with this, but this is what I observed. If you were to... You've got a programme director who will look after the big picture of uh, budgets and how the car comes together... And, and bringing the attributes together. Yeah. Um, That's
1: okay. I'm sure that will not be too loud on the microphone. Um, Don't worry.
0: But, uh, you know, at any given time in a car process, ask a designer. Yeah. They'll they'll know. They'll know where that part or that part of the car is in the process of it coming to, to reality, whether it be the, even the cost of the part, where it's made of, who's making it, who's supplying it you know, where it is in the time time frame and, and all that, the designer will know.
1: Yeah.
0: And designers tend to have a much better picture of the bigger picture. Well, because
1: there's people. so much that they have to create. Of course, changes. you know, you're looking
0: off the interior, you're you're responsible for every component you mm-hmm. can see. And, uh, and often a lot of the components you have to manage, you don't see because if you don't manage them properly, you're not gonna get what you want. Yeah. You know, a simple example, for instance, we've specified 19-inch wheels on this car. and Somewhere along the line, somebody will try and influence it to be smaller. Yeah. And you'll say, no, you can't. It's got to be this size of wheel. I know it brings challenges for you and unsprung weight and all that good stuff. But if you want a car of this size that you've dictated for other reasons, then you need to have wheels of this size.
1: Well, there's a lot of practical application for it. As well, in like both directions, isn't it? Absolutely, finding yeah. that balance yeah. between it looks right, but it fits the brakes, and it doesn't yeah. force the ride to be torn. And so,
0: um, you have to be quite—you have to become quite a good politician at times. I can imagine so. And you're on PR person as well, really, <laughs> and trying and to make sure people do listen to you.
1: Well, yeah, it's you kind of sit within like the two realms of what well, it has to <coughs> creatively work. So you yeah. have to manage that side. And then it also has to financially work, and it has to practically work, and you kind of sit within the middle of all of these things pulling against how... Yeah, the forces
0: out. are coming and going. I mean, the design of the car are incredible. Um, you know, we have all these attributes we have to attend to, and then you have to go and discuss them, yeah. um, challenge them, try and change them if you need to. You know, and often we would come up with a shape or a design and to be honest with you, contrary to what everybody thinks, we, we, we get a brief. I don't know most designers even see the brief. They know we are going to do another saloon car. Here's the length of it. Here's the wheelbase. And let's get going, you know. And you, you naturally know where your legislation is going to take you. Yeah. And um, out of experience. And then you get into the more subjective areas of, well, you, we want another 10 millimetres headroom. You say, well, that means it's going to change the exterior shape. So you go back and you challenge the structure of the car to see if you can get that 10 millimetres somewhere else. Yeah. And it doesn't sound very much, but when you look in the shape of a car, 10 millimetres in a modern car is quite a big difference, yeah. And people ask why cars look all look the same. Well, we've got the same set of rules yeah. that we have to live by, whether they be cost, physics, legislation manufacturing they're all the same set of rules
1: well now that things are a lot more like safety focused as well that legislation is yeah, kind of dictating a about. lot of the sizes and shapes and yeah. materials that we can use just yeah. because it, the headlight has to be x amount of millimetres off the floor
0: and it has to have this yeah, level of curve and stuff like yeah fortunately with new headlamp technology we can make it much creating. slimmer and smaller and bring them down but uh but yeah, I mean there's one that always used to to catch us uh, It was unbelted occupant. There's a there's a rule two oh eight I think it's called. It's the US rule which says that at a thirty or thirty five mile or impact the occupant's trajectory of the head cannot touch the header. Right, okay. Anyway, and you can calculate the trajectory. Yeah. And um it means if you design the header too close, which in a lot of old cars probably wouldn't even pass it, and you take an E-Type or something, they wouldn't get anywhere near it, um, they would fail. So it's got to be a certain distance, which makes it a certain height. a certain. Yeah. And you want people more rake in the screen, it means you've got to make the car higher because you've still got to meet that clearance. Yeah. Um, and so on, and that's just one of many, many regulations.
1: I imagine you're very envious of the designers from like the 50s and the 60s that... Could you have so much more freedom to be... They
0: did. ...creating yeah. the styling. They did, but they didn't have the technology that we can put into cars. But no, I don't. People say, you know, I've, I've actually spoken to race car designers or sports car designers who have done... or track car designers who've, who say to me, well, how do you put up with all this? Well, you don't put up with it. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. You know, design is about taking all the facts and dealing with them. And if you can't do that, you're not a designer. Yeah, I can. I mean, a race car designer has to deal with aerodynamics and he's not going to try and cheat physics in order to get something different. Um, uh, what I do is more subjective, it's not down to a set of facts, it is quite subjective, but you have to deal with the facts. Yeah. And I don't find that a problem. That's what design is about. I guess it gives you some
1: outer limitations as well, which helps to,
0: Huge. to go right with the, the challenge is to try and create something. Within those limitations, um, whether they be physics or, 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 or whatever, yeah, um, that looks at least a bit different from like everybody else's. I can say because a lot a lot of cars <coughs> these
1: these days they're getting a little bit more kind of similar shaped blobs with four wheels and ridiculous ride heights and things. But a lot of manufacturers called SUVs have, yeah, <coughs> they don't work for any sort of design language. Apparently, they're very difficult to make look nice and yeah. funny enough just this morning I was reading the Road Rap magazine um, issue number 10 if anyone's interested and they were talking about design language and how an SUV effectively makes it almost impossible to design anything interesting because the proportions make it all a little bit too yeah. like lumpy and bumpy and yeah. the Rolls-Royce well, Cullinan was given as an example of who was? the Rolls-Royce Cullinan no their SUV
0: yeah well I challenge that frankly yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I I understand that. It'd be a lot of pressure to get the hard points, you know, uh, the physical hard points into the, the corners that 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 uh, that certain other parts of the business would expect you to meet. Yeah. What we did at Jaguar was challenge that. And somebody says you have to have a certain head head headroom and a certain tumble home and, and, and a certain trunk space and stuff like that. And you he'd question well why? And come back with a good answer, then you have to kinda adhere of to it. Um I think SUVs can look quite good. I like to think what we did at Jaguar was a bit sexier, perhaps, than uh, the more squarish ones. Well, it was definitely Um, within
1: Jaguar's design language as well. Yeah, and,
0: you know, the the F-Pace was quite challenging to to both Julian and myself, because we'd never done an SUV before, for a start. Yeah. And the first ones we did, we kind of followed the rules a bit. It was starting to look too much like a Volvo, to be honest. (laughs) And uh, so I said, well, I've got to get more curvaceousness into this, and we're going to rake the back more so that you know we can get a bit more visual drama into it which is what
1: we did so did you take kind of the f-type and go how would we mold this into an suv or did you not, we're going to build an F- suv not
0: that- really no i i was push- pushing it too far um i think we just took our design language and try and get some sculpture in it now the problem with sculpture of course it takes up space yeah and the moment you take up space, you're eating into that physical volume that the marketing guys must say you must have inside an SUV. Yeah. The reality is the trunk space in an SUV, or the boot space, is in that lower half. Mm. What happens above it is very seldom used. And if people want to put the seat down and fill, fill the car to the roof, then yes, we're going to compromise your, your, your cubic volume in the back of the car because we've got a raked rear glass in it. But how many people really do fill their SUVs up to that height?
1: I can't imagine there's many.
0: So, so we just said no. We're going to rake the screen forward and uh, rear screen, and we're going to get a little bit more drama. When we got to when I got to the eyepiece, it was a different. Um, That's a completely different type of car entirely. Almost it, there, it is, it? but it had to be an SUV for a number of reasons. Uh, the marketing boys wanted an SUV, I think, it's because they. Um, Probably felt they were easier to... Well, it was where the marketplace was, you know, and it still is. That's what people buy. That's what saved Porsche, isn't it? it saved Porsche, and it probably saved Jaguar as well. I mean, the F-Pace did a lot better than the Saloon cars. Mm. Uh, E-Pace does better than the Saloon cars, and, and likewise the I-Pace. I'm not sure where it is in sales, but, but um, it was a new sort of vehicle, and because we had a skateboard platform, we could change the proportions of it completely, which yeah. I was determined to do.
1: How did you find the uh, the Ipace single series race no, event I, that happened? I, that was a I, big I thing. loved it.
0: I thought they should do a road car. In fact, you know, when I was there, we were in design. we were pushing to do a road car version of that. Makes a lot of sense. And um, but I was told, unfortunately, we couldn't lower the suspension enough um, because of the way the car was designed. Effectively, as, as an SUV, yeah, uh, it would have meant there was no there was no Spring left in it, effectively, but <laughs> I would have found ways around that. But anyway, it never happened. But I did push hard to try and get a road version, it would have like been
1: that. a lot of fun and it would have kind of precursed the, the Lamborghini, the F, the SBR stuff. Yeah. it would have been kind of at the forefront
0: of it, really. And you know, the power output could have been taken up a little bit, but it's got 400 horsepower already, it's probably enough for most people. It's reasonably quick, no?
1: yeah. How I wonder, I don't know how much a Tesla model is it the X, the SUV one. I don't know how much. The power equivalent of that is. The only thing I do know is that the fastest <coughs> way to get an Alfa Romeo 4C through a quarter mile is to put it on a trailer and attach that trailer to a Tesla Model X. Uh, but well, it could we could have been we, a similar kind of thing, really.
0: You'll it? find the video. We did. We we raced our IPAce against a Tesla. All right. I should probably a, S, I think it was. It was an S, and it was a big one. And if I remember rightly, we beat it.
1: Oh, I didn't even know that and that should really be talked about a little bit so before,
0: um, go, and, go and find a video first there is a video <laughs> of us racing the Tesla S I think we beat it or oh, maybe it's just a Tesla I don't know maybe it was just a Tesla yeah a Tesla S but um, yeah oh, it's okay. there somewhere they, they'll be on the YouTube somewhere
1: they'll, they'll be I'll probably find it after we finish chatting to be fair As
0: I said, don't quote me on it but it's probably a bit late for that.
1: <laughs> so you said that you had like been like wanting to be a car designer since you were a kid. Like how did that kind of passion come about
0: for you? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just loved cars. I loved drawing. But I was drawing stuff before I kind of fell in love with cars, really. I was to, Before school days, I was drawing all the time. Just stuff I saw around me. And, and it occurred to me, this, this, these things must be designed in some way. Someone was
1: drawing them before. Yeah. Before them to yeah I don't know
0: why. I don't know what clicked with me, but... My grandfather um, always encouraged me in the car front. He liked cars and, you know, my big big game was to try and remember the names of all the cars and the various levels of trim and stuff on them, which was always quite amusing for everybody.
1: If you don't get it these days, it's just... Well, not unless 30, you read the yeah, badge yeah. Or, the, yeah.
0: or, the, or the barcode that's sucking the door somewhere, but
1: yeah, it's not but like,
0: yeah, I used to get the Hillman Hillman Deluxe the Hillman Super Super Deluxe and Hillman <laughs> this and Hillman that. It was it was always and, you, and every one of them had a different grill or a different detailing on it. And you could tell it them, tell them apart. Um marketing man's dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got eight different <laughs> products and all yeah, they are is a different bit of yeah. trim.
0: But yeah. um so I just at a very young age I fell in love with cars and started drawing them. And and uh, I thought, well, if you can design things, you must be able to design cars. And I must have seen maybe some one or two things on television where I saw probably a GM design studio somewhere in America where they were doing clay models and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, I vaguely remember seeing a magazine or a book with that stuff in it, and thought, "Ah, okay, there's something going on somewhere."
1: Yeah, yeah. oh, that's that must be how so, it started.
0: Uh, and then I, well, I, I looked, you know, I went to the library to find anything. I couldn't find anything in car design, my local library. But um, you just look out for these things, and it, and it grew from there.
1: No, it makes a lot of sense that if the the passion for drawing is there, and then the passion for cars, yeah, introduced, it fell you, into place. You yeah. kind of yeah. follow that passion and. To, to give a little bit of personal insight, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a car designer. That was my yeah. Like, I'm not that good at drawing. I'm quite good at digital stuff because you well, can, can tweak digital stuff. Yeah, but I mean, uh, my
0: sketches now are not anymore than things like this, you know. <laughs> I work with the alias modeller and I kind of direct him to the shapes I want. But I think it's important to be able to draw in order to communicate your ideas. Mm. No, I understand what you mean by but, that. But if you're a good alias modeller or a CAD modeller, you can probably do them. In a different way. Yeah, true. Um, I never used to believe that, but I believe it now because <laughs> a lot of the guys that. coming out of college are so competent at, at 3D modeling that um, they, can almost, they can almost skip the sketching stage, mm. except perhaps for their own use. Um,
1: well, there's people like, um, have you encountered Keisel or the Keisel? Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, by? yeah. that's all, it's all digital rendering yeah. and stuff like that. Um. so
0: there are ways I mean I've met many I know many architects and, you know architects in the whole are people that fall into two categories as far as I could see some who naturally could draw and they tend to be good at drawing anything and others that just use the drawing as a means to an end to, to build a CAD model mm. and of course you know until fairly recently that was just straight lines really yeah mm. so it was always their, their their ability to express themselves in CAD models probably came a lot Sooner than car design, because um, until Hadida came along, of course, and she created these sculptured. Forms. Well, CAD design's come a long way now, hasn't it? it has, it's it's yeah. not
1: quite the same as it's the isometric paper no. on a screen that it used to be. It's very good. And I, I
0: work with it all the time now. So,
1: so is that something that you've had to learn? A lot more as you've no no I, I
0: didn't I didn't need to I have done any modelling in the past um, and I've done rendering on Photoshop. Um, I still find, for my own point of communication, pencil and paper is still the easiest for me. Yeah, because I've got people who can competently do that modelling stuff better than I can. But yeah, you know, I grew up um, through my career with creating 3D drawings full-size drawings and then transporting them into clay models and giving direction and uh, if you understand that process in 3D because it's all about sculpting at the end of the day if you understand it if you can think in 3D um, you can give a good alias model good good modeler uh, good direction yeah and you know and that's all you really need to be able to do
1: well, yeah, because then
0: you can, the you benefit know, with CAD is that you can tweak it as the, it starts. The danger is that that if you're, if you're turning your ideas, no matter how flippant or uh, how unsophisticated your sketches might be, as long as you've got a strong idea, then you translate it into 3D in clay or, um, or through a CAD process, mm. It's very easy to let that next process take over. And what you have to do is to bear in mind that you have this idea that you want to capture. And if you're not disciplined enough, you will let that sway and drift into another set of ideas. Yeah, I see it happening all the time. And, you know, I look at some clay models or cars in the street and I think... I'm sure nobody drew that. I'm sure that's just evolved because somebody was getting drawn into the clay model and they couldn't help themselves. They had to, you know, put a line in it and they 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 formed it and the form became very exciting. (coughs) And so they left it there. And what they should have done, the director should have done, was say, "Take it off." I know it's a nice line, but it doesn't need it. It's one of those less is more things, isn't it? Well, that's my philosophy. It's not. It's about editing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about deliberately going out to create something of a a minimal design. I don't mean it in that way. I mean, when you've got so many ideas in such a large form, then it's very easy to forget that this is a big piece of sculpture dealing with. But you have to deal with it as if it's almost 20% the size. Because you don't see cars always close up. You see them 200 yards away. Yeah. And so you have to edit out the stuff it doesn't really need.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, I think it's that, that purity of the mm. the right piece of design has... It would be ruined if you added anything extra, and it would also yeah. be ruined if you took anything Tonight, away. Yeah, like that, yeah, that's balance, the, the so. balance that creates something that's pleasing yeah. to look at. Yeah. Um, the stark contrast of that being like the Pontiac Aztec, which has so much going on and no creativity.
0: Well, yeah, somebody could argue that's very creative, but it's not under control, you know, it's not disciplined. Yeah, no, that's another... But, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm not saying anything's right or wrong, I just, I have a point of view and it doesn't always agree with what other people... Yeah, well,
1: in talk. all fairness, your point of view has created some rather lovely looking pieces of, uh, of design. Thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not like we're sat... are holding here. out, all right. Yeah, it's not like you're the guy from the Aztec and I've gone. oh, that looks great. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. You are the, the vanquished designer and you did quite a few very interesting cars. And every time I see an XF estate, I'm like, oh, you know, Ian kind Cullen of designed that one. He follows me on Instagram. I'm <laughs> um,
0: particularly pleased with the XF. Of course, it's not just me. I've got a team of people who do a lot of that stuff. But, yeah. but I do try and impose my philosophy on them all quite without compromise, I think, which is frustrating for individuals. But... Um, yeah, the effect the the X is quite I I see them on the road and especially if the they're black with the twenty inch wheels, they look pretty cool actually.
1: They're a very lovely car and it's a real shame that they didn't do oh. a full
0: blown like S V R spec. Well, we we did do on the first model we did do the R S. Yeah. Of which there are very few, by the way. I mean, not even a hundred.
1: So if, if you can find one, then it's... So it's I saw honesty. one for
0: sale recently. I think it went for about 40 plus thousand. That's not that high money for the no, kind of car. No, but I right? think given that another five years, that'll be a very rare car. Well, according to the already. himself
1: as well, like if anyone listens that buys cars... So a friend of mine has a TWR XJS. Oh, yeah. He's, sat in his, uh, he's got about 13 XJs, I think, at last count.
0: That's keen. Um,
1: he's only 27, I think.
0: It's my birthday the other what, week. What, you? what, what models he got? All of them are just oh, uh, the three hundred.
1: Pick an XJS, he's probably got it. XJS,
0: uh, the twelves, the S's, 12, everything. Oh, the XJS, of course. Yeah, the um, the the the, the, the well Racing ones. And then he's got
1: I like, the of game double ones. sixes. He's the old Jag guy. He's younger than I am, but he's the old Jag huh, guy. Good yeah.
0: for him. He somebody's saving them then. Yes,
1: it's basically what he's getting known for as well, yeah. which is hilarious because he's so young. Um, That's good, but uh, he has a TWR one and I didn't know what TWR was yeah. because I'm ignorant to most things in the world and <laughs> we have this running joke where he secretly wants to put V8s in all of his cars even though he hates the idea and he loves Jaguar's lovely old V12 so yeah. I made a load of stickers for him that say Mr Hellcrate and I stuck them on all of these cars it literally just went around this whole workshop and just stuck stickers on. And one of them's next to the TWR sticker because I was so scared to take anything or touch anything <laughs> that I didn't want to ruin this lovely uh, lovely old Jaguar. I think it's a Shawser one. Right. If that's the right pronunciation yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I didn't really know what TWR was. Could you could you explain it for
0: <laughs> TWR is Tom Walkinshaw Racing. Right, okay. And um, I worked for him for 10 years and it was probably the best working 10 years I've ever had. He was a great boss. He he was quite a. He had two sides to his character. He could he, he could get quite quite angry and forceful, but he always showed loyalty to me. <clears throat> and um, he kind of understood being a designer that I was needed the space to do what I needed to do, and and he he put a lot of trust in what I did. Um, and so. The first I left Ford. I, I was I was at Ford and, and Essex, and I was frustrating at not being able to get onto the the big design stuff. So yeah. I thought I'll take a chance for this TWR company. Uh, they raced Jaguars. They so were going on for that. They raced Le Mans Jaguars and won. Amazing. On two occasions. Um, and uh, Tom was looking for a designer to start a design studio. So, so I applied for it and got the job i just finished at Ghia, Crozzeria in in Italy. So I had a bit of a portfolio there that could show what I was managing. And um, I said, well, what's in it for me? What's going to happen? He says, well, we could do anything. We could, anything you want to design, we'll try and design it. And he wanted to use design as a shop window. You know, he had an engineering business, which was flourishing, but he realised that if he didn't have a design department, he couldn't. It got to show off, sure, how good it yeah, was, yeah, and he understood the value of that. So, but the short of it is, one of the first projects I got was DB7.
1: Oh, amazing!
0: And so, you know, at the tender age of thirty-six or whatever it was, I, uh, I got to design a, a, an Aston Martin, which was really the start of my <laughs> more um, more visible. Well, career. You're still doing it now, really, aren't you? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's what you're you're so, getting more known for in this
0: space at the minute isn't so it? yeah I did a few Astons and then I went to Jaguar but but TWR um we, we did a lot of stuff there some of it people know some of it people don't know um what's
1: well, probably the most well-known one from TWR aside from the Aston Martin
0: well the Aston Martin I did the Vanquish there as well uh which started off called Project Vantage which was actually a different car but the same theme um I worked in the Rover 75 estate car. With oh, Richard right. Woolley, you know. Um,
1: I overtook a Rover 75 and my Renault yesterday. I yeah, don't see many of them left, do you? But, <laughs> they weren't but, happy about being passed by a Renault 5 either. It <laughs> um,
0: was a good car, actually, the 75. It was a shame BMW completely binned it, but there you go. That was politics at the time. Um, uh, what else? Did Fort Puma there. Oh, Did a lot calm. of... We did it. Funny though, no, ironically, I did quite a bit of work for Ford as a consultant, just for odd projects that may or may not come to fruition. Most of them didn't, but they were going kind to of thrown into the fold. And you Was kind it? of
1: leapfrogged up the ladder to where you were trying to get when you were. Oh, totally. Ford. Yeah,
0: totally. And and uh, what else? Did the uh, uh, Nissan R three ninety Le Mans car? Oh, because right. that had to be a as a road car, and the racing guys found that difficult to at their head around so Tom said well you designed the body for it uh, so we did um, I don't know if you know that car but it's quite a, quite, a, quite a pretty thing it's another one that's getting on the Google list um, uh, what else I don't know we did, oh, Volvo C70 we did with Peter Horbury. very impressive so the C70 was designed in Oxfordshire <laughs> not not, not, Gothenburg um, but I, I did work with Peter on that and Peter was chief designer for Volvo and and um, he basically gave us a job and of course then TWR then built the car Really? And yeah, yeah, they <laughs> built it they built the production
1: Oh wow so all these cars that you think are made of in the not well, Circle Well, no, we actually <laughs> built the,
0: OK, so the Volvo was actually built in, in, in Sweden and it was a mothballed factory which was completely desolate called Udavara. and TWR went in there and they revamped the factory and they got it up and running and they built the C70 there
1: Oh, so it was built in Sweden, but in it was suite, thanks to the British it, it, TWR influence to get it back Yeah, in we had an
0: office there, and did a lot, because Tom raced the Volvos, they, mm. maybe he started off racing the mm. 850 state car uh, in the British Touring Car Championship.
1: Was that the white and blue one? Yeah, this, yeah, the
0: security car one.
1: Which is a wild thing to have been in the Touring Car. Really, well,
0: it? it was, it was a lovely story about that, yeah, but... He said to me, he says, what's more aerodynamic, a saloon car or a state? And I said, the state car's are more aerodynamic. And he went, right, OK, we'll race the state cars then. <laughs> There's no rules to say that we couldn't. And uh, and so um, we just went ahead and, did it and it worked. And then the BT, the, the British Touring Car Championship paper, people said, we don't not like this, we're going to have to change the rules, so it's got to be a saloon
1: car. Yeah. And then, then it moved some cars. Some really interesting... Races. I
0: think they realised that the aero was probably an advantage. I don't know. I don't know why they did it, but... um well, does the,
1: the extended roof act more of a yeah, wing than anything? Yeah,
0: you, you, the more you can chop the back off suddenly, the better it is, really.
1: Yeah. I, this bloody road rat, I read that at the right time this morning. That had a, a bit about how... Because they, they used to have those sweeping curves that would mm. go almost down to nothing at the back. Teardrops, yeah. And yeah. it was kind of an automotive design, I think it said like it was actually better to kind of chop it off at the end. Absolutely, yeah. In the early days of aerodynamics, that's what they were learning.
0: Yeah. Um, well, if you look at the E Type, Malcolm Stewart designed the E Type. He designed it sort of so the air would try and come together, but it, it needs to be very long. So the E Type aerodynamically wasn't very good. Yeah. Um,
1: Which is why the McLaren Speedtail is yeah speed tail is all about at the s- back.
0: sweeping sweeping line. Um, so rather than, then they came up with the cam tail, which cut the air off, and that's why, if you look at a DB5, then you look at the DB6, it's got the big spoiler on the back, that yeah. they realised then. And the reason the XJS was so square is because Malcolm Sayre realised cutting the back off was more aerodynamically um, efficient than than uh, than having a curved mm. curved corner. Um, ironically, squarer cars are more aerodynamic than curved cars. So,
1: my little Renault 5 out there. probably quite good, actually. Might yeah. be quite aerodynamic compared probably. to my little curvy GT86 I've got. Prob- in there. Probably, yeah. Which would be a wild thing well, to find out. Well,
0: you've got a GT86, that's probably been designed with a lot of aero in mind more yeah. consciously. So, they, they could develop a car much more accurately now as you follow the air through it, around yeah. it.
1: Well, one's from this generation and one's yeah. from nearly forty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably just designed to get as many people into it without taking yeah. up
0: too much of their own. It was a great piece of design, though. Well, that's, that's, that's especially, praise. Especially, for the, well, it was just so honest. But the first one in particular <coughs> was um, a lovely piece of layout because it had the engine with the gearbox at the front, mm. which made the wheels for quite far forward. I think the one you've got's got, got transverse engine.
1: Mine's the first year of the transverse. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but I always wanted the first model Gordini, which was a fabulous oh, yeah. car. But you, you can never find
1: them. So there. my my friend with all the Jaguars, I, he went all the way up to Scotland to look at a first series Gordini, and then he went with his dad, and they opened the front, and his dad went, "Oh, this has been in a crash." And no, the guy's yeah. like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, there's damage there." Don't. So they travelled all the way up with a trailer and came home empty-handed. But they have two 17 Gordinis that are believed to be really? two of the only ones in the country. Yeah, um, They did rust very easily, unfortunately. Which is probably why there's only two in yeah. the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the the original five was a lovely looking thing. However, mine only cost 500 quid, so I uh, couldn't get anything more than what I've got for that. Um, I used to have one. I used to have a two-door. I would have loved a two-door. I yeah. really like
0: the shapes of the two doors. Yeah. And you can do the a little door bit had more with them. them. yeah, don't know what happened to it. <laughs> Sold it many years ago.
1: It's probably rusted
0: away from. I think it was. I think it was starting to. I think it was starting to go a bit even when I had it. So.
1: <laughs> well, we say mine is Paris spec. Um, it's got a couple of dents and bits of trim in <laughs> and a couple of little rust spots coming through. So we just call it the, the Paris spec now. Yeah. Um, so another kind of thing that a lot of people that aspire to get into car design don't realise is probably the amount of time that you spend in your early days designing boring bits. Maybe appreciate
0: Well, depends how you approach them. Every bit can be interesting, but uh, but my first days at Ford, I was designing steering wheels a lot. Yeah, and you know, which in itself is okay. But once you're onto steering wheel number seven or eight or nine or ten, you get a little bit tired (laughs) of them. And any any Ford out of probably the 80s, there's a good chance I did the steering wheel on them. So.
1: Didn't they have those lovely um, three-spoke steering wheels back then?
0: Yeah, probably, yeah, they did. I think I did a couple yeah. they were actually
1: quite nice looking. Things they were the things that you engage with the most
0: in the yeah. car. Really? And there was the XR steering wheels. I remember doing some of those? But um, no, most of the ones I did actually were more like they had. They were obsessed with this idea of the four spokes with the, uh, the big center boss in the middle, and then they have the two and two. Oh, yeah. I think most of them were a bit like that. There was a three spoke Sierra one I did, I remember. And then the airbags came in. I was the first, I think I was the first person to design a, a European airbag. That's it's pretty wheel. interesting. It some, was because this thing came in, and so this is an airbag, and we're all kind of looking at it with great nervousness, thinking it's going to go bang <laughs> at any minute, moment. And um, we managed to get de- but the but the airbag was still left now. We deactivated it, obviously, but I was always rather. And then we designed around this module, and and I think it went to the first one I did for was it was a it was a. As how early it was, it was a Granada Mercury. Right. So they had the Sierra Mercury. It was called the Mercury, it was based on the Sierra for XR4. Right. I think it's was M M E R K U R. It was German for Mercury. <laughs> and um, and then I did the. the the Scorpio Mercor, the, the Scorpio Granada, for the American market, and um, it had to have an airbag, so I designed an airbag steering wheel for it. That was probably the first airbag steering wheel designed.
1: I didn't realise they the went UK. that far back. Um,
0: yeah, you in think the US, of them as a, yeah. like a '90s to noughties innovation or anything? This would be probably '86, maybe. But they're already there in the US. The US had airbags quite a while before.
1: It's surprising how much innovation happened in the US before it happened in Europe. In, in terms you safety, think of safety, yeah. A bit behind, don't you? Yeah. Um, even stuff like, sec- like sequential indicators. A friend of mine's got a '67 Thunderbird with them. And you wouldn't yeah, think of that but from you know, that far back.
0: There's an interesting rule. You can't if you see the sequential. You talking about the sliders. Well, these one. It was three individual lights. Yeah, that that's on legal. You sequence. can't. The ones you see in Europe are not legal in America. Oh, right. Uh, because the rules are that the, the the first indication of light must come on full. Right, okay. Rather than moving. So
1: you could have on and then they
0: go off. Secretly. And that's what Audi do in America. Right. To get over it. To get past it, because it's like... But there. you can't go on by a slider in America, so they have these different... I mean, they might change it one day, but... Um, but yes, yeah, so it was always challenging when we did lights. None of our sliders could go into the American spec car, and then Audi came up with the idea: we'll put it on and we'll slide it off. Which it seems was, so which, simple in hindsight. It was now, quite clever. Yeah. yeah, you think about it, oh, oh, if only we'd have had that idea. <laughs> good thinking. So uh, they're slightly different. But um, what else in America? The rear-mounted stop lamps. They came out in America first. The high-mounted stop lamps.
1: Which again seems like quite a simple innovation in that why don't we have a separate light to tell you when it's brakes and not
0: just the lights yeah. <laughs> being Well they used to have so many pile-ups on the motorways especially in California mm. in the rain. Plus if one of those cars is a pin-turned nobody to knew the moment, there were brakes were coming on and they were just piling into each other. The so, <laughs> uh, Californians and the rain, not a good combination.
1: Why well, they don't see enough of it to have the They experience. don't see enough
0: of it exactly. When it does rain it brings oil to the top and the roads are just dreadful.
1: Rolling this on micro thanks to that effect once in a woodland. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was a very grimy road after a lot of rain and a very aggravated passenger that <laughs> caused a bit of chaos. and uh, All of a sudden we're upside down. Um, I, I heard an anecdote, or rather a story, from I believe it was a car journalist. I'm not going to name names just in case it's not right. that accurate, about um, yourself and the DB9. And yeah. Mr. Fisker. Oh. And an interview or a, a press junket or something like that. And the, the anecdote that I heard was that you were there, obviously with the XK, and yeah. Fisker had taken over as DB9 final yeah. consultant, whatever it was, yeah. and you were being interviewed. And then after the interview, they said, Oh, you asked, oh, where are you going next? And they said to the DB9 to speak to Fisker. And your response, is what I'm told, is ask him about the nod to the DB5. Yeah, that's true. True story.
0: Is that a true story? Yeah, Sorry. because, you know, I, I don't... I'm not bothered. People take credit for it. But, you know, I was responsible with the team, actually, funnily enough, in, in, in the Jaguar studio mm. for creating the DB9. And, and the only thing Fisker did was, was change the tail lamps. Right. Credit. He did a nice job. It's fine. But then it was part of the Aston PR, of course, to make sure that it was their design, I designed it, which I fully understood. And then, and then people said to me, "Well, I, I heard you did nothing to do with it." I said, "Well, I'll be honest with you, I, I did most of the car." Yeah. And you know, people were sceptical and said, "Well, how can you prove it?" So I don't really, don't really care. Yeah, you know, I don't have to prove it. I know the truth. Yeah, people you... matter the truth. I said, "Oh, by the way, if you go and have a look at the DB9 and ask them where the DB5." Influence came from, and there's a line in the rear deck lid that came straight off the DB5. Right. So, and the, by all accounts, he didn't know about it.
1: Well, that's, that's what I was told as well, is that they went over and said, oh, that's tell fine. me about the DB5. <laughs>
0: Henrik and, and, like, <laughs> and I are fine, we're we're quite buddy, so it's not a problem. But, um, and he was following the company, he was toying the company line. But yeah. The V8, on the other hand, was a slightly different story. I'd finished the V8, and then he took it over, and, and he changed it, you oh. know, and changed it a bit but uh, it's fine but you know I'm not,
1: I'm not trying to drag up old rivalries no it's like fine it's I don't think more of that it. was a, a subtly clever I quite enjoyed way. it Yeah, it was, I quite
0: enjoyed it because I did know about it I put the line in there deliberately to but I imagine it was just delicious
1: to be able to have well, that little yeah. like aha there we go <laughs> yeah
0: but you know I, I, I'm so fortunate I've done so many cars in my time that I don't really need to make claim to anything that, you know, certainly I wouldn't make claim to anything I didn't do. Yeah. There's no point in that. Yeah, uh, you
1: only stand to get caught out in that scenario. And, you
0: know, and when I picked up cars from other people, I would give them the credit for it. You know, I wouldn't. It's fine. It's okay.
1: No, it's, it's quite an honest way to get it through. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, so, it's to
0: me, good. it's not... I think you get some designers who, who love the accreditation, they love the idea of being noted for something, which is in itself a, a, a small pleasure... Um, as long as it's good. Yeah. Um, but to me, the joy is not that side of it. It's, 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 it's the creative process. It's the joy. Mm. You know, and I'd still get the same joy if people were to never see the car again. Yeah. Um, like for me with,
1: with design, so I obviously do bits because I make sure. all my clothing. It's all... Admittedly, I, so I've got one of my, my most recent pieces that's oh. going on a T-shirt. And mm. I have to keep them very simple because of the limits of printing. Sure. But for me, I get to basically nice. steal another car yeah. and then add my style to it. So yeah. that, that'll be on a T-shirt, blah, blah, blah. I find it therapeutic. Well,
0: enjoy the, enjoy the process, exactly. Yeah. And, the, and it is nice turning it into reality um, at the other end. And and it's good to see them on the road. And, and you know, I, I like it when people say, I've got a, an XK. Are you, are you, I've got it, actually... This comment I've had more from people with XKs, the aluminium XK that we did. Was that the, sec- the last one? Yeah, 2006 onwards.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, they say, you know, I'm going, I love it, I, oh, it just gives me so much pleasure, and just look at it, I'll wash it and I'll look at it. And, and they say, thank you, thank you for giving me such a beautiful car. And I, oh, I find amazing. That, I find that quite pleasurable actually, that you've given something. it's a bit like writing a song, you know? Yeah. I played it at my wedding sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's a, an old guy around the so we've just moved house and we're, we've only been there a month there's an old guy around the corner he's got an XKRS and an XJ6 on the drive and then an XJS convertible in the garage along with about 15 old mo- like 1901 motorbikes stuff like that oh right um, he's got this Norton that's got a car engine and it's driven by a CV joint it's not yeah, belt driven or chain it's shaft driven yeah so it's at like 45 degrees so that it all fits yeah um but he's got an XKRS and I obviously walked over and said hello when he was cleaning it. And he's like, I just took this to Goodwood the other day. Got 180 down the back straight. And the guy's about 85. I was like,
0: good for it, good right? on
1: you, mate. Really impressive.
0: Good, yeah. Um, well, that would be pushing an XKRS. I think yeah, it's Limited this the specially
1: 5. tuned one. Yeah. It's running like 600 brake or something ridiculous. Oh, yeah, perfect. So I don't know which model it is. I know it's not a Lister one. It's a, a different it's one. Something different, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's this absolute monster. And it's just this... This little old guy just bumbles around and then takes this little monster out at the weekend good for him um so i, I would be remiss to not ask how things are moving forward for you obviously we've got um, the the vanquishes that we were both at heaveningham yesterday and there was a very lovely example on the lawn
0: yeah the red one that's basically our kind of marketing car still running around um what's in the future for us? We're doing an eclectic mix of things. You know, we've got a bit of furniture coming out. We've just done a whiskey, actually, whiskey bottle. We didn't do the whiskey, we did the whiskey bottle. I hope they sent you some, though. And um, we've got some other different things coming out, not car stuff, over the next uh, few months, which... um,
1: Because Callum is a a design studio, isn't it? Yeah, and
0: one of the reasons I did it is because I wanted to work on other things. Yeah. You know, I've done forty years of of, of cars. I I trained as an industrial designer, so I I do have a passion for designing stuff. Mm. It's not necessarily cars, and and so we're moving forward. But having said that, we've got a couple of cars coming too, for clients, which obviously I I can't talk about. They tend to be of the electric mode. They tend to be of the kind of supercar mode. But um, that's as much as we which is which is (laughs) fine. Which is good, but I guess uh, at that point
1: you are almost just rebodying a skateboard, really, aren't you? Not always, not with, not with,
0: no, not with, not with the top sports cars. Though. If you are doing SUV, this is why these electric cars are running up so tall, mm. because you have got fifty millimeters of battery in the floor. Which you, if you are doing a sports car, that's quite challenging. Yeah, and because um, you want to get your heel point as low to the ground as possible. Of course, people argue there is less need for a sports car these days because you can make SUVs handle better than a lot of sports cars from a few years ago so you know the emphasis has changed but there are still those who want the ultimate shape yeah uh, of a a, a sports car Um, but if you're doing something that's very low to the ground (coughs) you have to rethink the configuration of how it's built from electric cars oh yeah for sure yeah skateboards don't really work that well uh, the weight distribution is good, but the height just runs against you. because You sat on top of it all. Sit on top you. of it. Yeah.
1: I guess with electric cars now, if you go in sports car route, you can really manipulate the battery technology to your advantage for weight distribution and shape. Exactly. Yeah, she so. can. You don't have to just. <laughs> you can.
0: You've it. got, and you can put your motors obviously between the wheels or even on the wheels. Mm.
1: Um, you don't have to go. It's either the engine uh, in the front or in the back. You can really play around with it. I the uh,
0: Yeah, but battery yes you do try and place them and a lot of batteries are placed where they can put them battery cooling is quite important Mm. and if you place them wrong and you get the cooling and each one not exactly to the right constant level they don't like that too much and they're notoriously
1: easy to put out when they set on fire
0: (laughs) well we won't talk about that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, think, I think some of the policies just let it burn I think for some people I think but, what uh, I've
1: seen is they put them in this big tank is effectively yeah. how they do it now they but, just put it in um, a big tank of, let's hope it's we don't water. see
0: too much of that I mean the, the point is electric cars are coming yeah they will be the the mainstay of production by in Europe at least by um, 2030, 2030 yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's seriously designing any new engines anymore no
1: they seem to be designing fuels the, yeah. the thing I think it was on top
0: gear if they're doing fuels then maybe the engine does have a future mm. but what's interesting is if you design a mechanic if you, if you drive a mechanical car and then you go into an electric car and then you go back again the mechanical car doesn't there's a lot of attributes the electric car has the mechanical car just cannot have yeah. without excessive amount of power
1: yeah, it's it's one yeah. of those where if you're if you're going to continue with mechanical car, you make them about the driving experience and not you the You have to because you can't compete with this. You can at hardly
0: compete with the acceleration of an electric car unless you're really working very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I had an I-Pace for uh, a year or so. Well, I assumed that that
1: one that's out in the car park was yours. No, and it's one you of came and said hello, and it, you were in the lovely old six three five. <laughs> which I was ogling while I was not paying attention.
0: It's funny how many people noticed that car. It seems to have caught a lot of attention, but uh, oh, it's, it's a lovely thing. It's and a very handsome car.
1: It's it's one of those where it's now kind of almost timeless, really, isn't it? Coming to yes. its
0: it's coming to its, its maturity. As yeah, good design should. Yeah. You know, I don't th- I don't think its successors will do as well, and and the, and the beauty stakes, especially
1: the, the kind of the mid two thousand six series that they came out with. I think that one that period of design yeah it's one of those that's a bit marmite and unless you see like an m5 you know that it's got the v10 i don't think if it had the v10 it probably wouldn't be as exciting yeah, as, yeah. as it is made out now because um, the, the shape before it was arguably one of the best yeah yeah um, even yeah. with the v8 like that was for me personally that was my favorite m5 anyway yeah and yeah. it kind of helped that they did those videos with clive owen where he was driving around and doing donuts and power (laughs) slides, and I was about eight when that happened and it was the coolest thing ever but that that one that you've just got and for anyone that wonders Ian's got a classic BMW it's yeah it's one of those where you meet someone that's in the car world and you hope that they're interested in cars and they're not just interested in the car world and to to see that outside
0: really is one of those like oh
1: yes thank goodness for that (laughs)
0: I've had many BMWs actually, Uh, when I was at TWR I drove BMWs, I had four or five then. Didn't have Jaguars? Hmm? I'm surprised it wasn't company policy. At TWR? Yeah. No, it wasn't. You could have any car, well in my position I could have any car car I wanted um, out of Tom's dealerships. Right. (laughs) And he had an eclectic mix of dealerships thankfully. I wasn't allowed a Porsche unfortunately.
1: Oh, how come? too, high up, the too high up the scale i yeah. think
0: yeah so i was at the bmw so I'd, i had three series bmws including an m3 at one point
1: what shape m3 would that have been that was
0: the after the 30 the e 36
1: e36 yeah the arguably the, yeah. the fatter one yeah he did a bit more
0: of a kick so, yes yeah.
1: uh, a friend of mine works for mercedes formula one team in their engineering team. And he's, he's like, the only company cars you're allowed is Mercedes, so they have to, and he's got like an SL 500. he's like, it's boring and it's soft. <laughs> he's like, he's got a Lotus Exige. He's, he's which he takes out to, yeah, that. takes
0: out on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, all need, we all need a car like that.
1: Well, I've done the opposite thing and I have a, a daily driver, which is the sports car. And my uh, Sunday car has very quickly become a 40 year old hatchback, <laughs> but uh, that's fine. It's, it's brilliant. We, we took it to Heaveningham, which is two and a half hours from us. So we planned in a couple be, yeah. of stops. Be. Um, and we weren't going to take it originally because it's the age that it is and it goes about nine days before something breaks on it. My other half's very love and hate with this car because she loves the fact that it exists and she loves it when it works. She's petrified of it when it breaks down because she's never had an old car to sure. live with or anything like that. And she's very much being dragged into the car world by me. And um, I said, right, we'll take the Renault. I've paid for the hotel, I've paid for everything. We're all right, we'll just take the Renault. Oh, what if something happens? Well, then it's part of the weekend. Something happens, we figure it out. We're not a million miles from home and blah, blah, blah. And that trip was so much more fun because we didn't have Bluetooth, we didn't have our phones plugged in. One of the window mechanisms is broken, so that window is wedged in place. We had Radio 2 on the whole way because it was the only station that was consistent. And we were singing and dancing and laughing and just, it made... Back to simplicity. Yeah, it just made the whole weekend. Yeah. And we stayed in like a little, it wasn't a log cabin, it was almost like a, a shepherd's hut kind of right. thing. So we had no Wi-Fi and no internet. That's better we The site that we stayed on had eight week old baby goats. Right. And the guy who ran it happened to see us looking at them, he's like oh, would you like to come and uh, feed them with me? So we fed these baby goats, and I've got a photo of one stood on the bonnet of the runner. Welcome
0: and... to Suffolk life.
1: Yeah, and it was just Good. like yeah. the simplicity of the whole thing is so refreshing compared yeah. to how things are these days. It's like she got me this little Casio watch for my birthday, and I've been an Apple Watch guy for like five years. And it's so refreshing to have a disconnect from the world. I think there's a move
0: towards a simpler life, you know. I think it's all become too... I don't know if it's because I'm getting closer to
1: 30 or whether it's actually oh, a lot get closer to 70 and then you'll think twice about
0: it. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, okay. it's, it's right. nice
1: to have some simplicity and it, it's nice to see that you still wander around with a sketchpad and a pencil and it's not an iPad with a a digital No, pen I do use an like iPad.
0: I, I use Procreate on an iPad. Which I am quite frequently and I'm pushing nice... my
1: father-in-law to do because he's a graphic designer. Right. Yeah. It's quite Quite clever. I'll send him this clip, and then it will force him to. Okay.
0: <laughs> I put a matte surface on it, which makes it much nicer to use. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's got that film on it. It feels like a te- pe- paper texture. Oh. So incredible. yeah, I use that from if from if in a plane or something. I'll just get it and and use that. I'm not brilliant at it, but I can, I can get down my ideas on it. So. Which is the point, really. Isn't Which is it? the whole point, yeah. 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 Um,
1: yeah. Well, I've had you for an hour, and I appreciate that you are very
0: busy. I've got a few things waiting for me, yes. <laughs> yeah, so
1: I'm going to end things there and say thank you so much. And where would the best place be to keep tabs on all things Callum?
0: Not necessarily just yourself? Well, we've got, we've got a website, yeah. and it's called Callum Designs. I think. I should know, shouldn't I? <laughs>
1: it's probably not the part that you
0: made.
1: Um he's he th- opened his phone and auto trade is the first thing that pops up. Oh no I've, well look what I found.
0: <laughs> I found an X is G. Is that the Oh it ah, wasn't the X? <laughs> um Oh no it's not come up. That's alright, we'll go it's with calendar no.com yeah. no .com sorry, oh you got the .com that's I think global. there's a hyphen in there somewhere
1: <laughs> I'll be sharing a link anyway, that's okay, yeah. okay. Um, that'll be the best place to, to see what's going on and see the whiskey bottles that you've made
0: hopefully yeah, yeah. that'll be there and, and you know and obviously the Vanquish is on there the Vanquish is on there and there's a few other things that uh... yeah I discovered this on the website It's a...
1: oh that is lovely, is that in satin?
0: it's not actually no it's, it looks like I think it's just a light is that an XJ? this looks Saturn doesn't oh. it XJ575R 575 my favourite one there we go so if you've got one of those you no, they're very the rare yeah. almost as rare as uh, XFRS's there, yeah. XFRS's. Mm. XFRS's state cars
1: I'm going to stop the recording there before we just sit and look at piston heads <laughs>